It's JJ DiGeronimo, and we are in season three of Career Strategies for Women That Work. I select every episode with you in mind, a woman searching and striving for more influence and impact. With research and insight, I've invited some really exciting guests to season three. Many of them have books that you can follow up with and even discuss in your women's groups. And like many of them, I'm launching my next book, Seeking, 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work. With so much to discuss, let's jump in. Hello, it's JJ DiGeronimo, and you're here today on Career Strategies for Women, and I have a really awesome guest, Meredith Persley is not only a professor, coach, and author, but she's joining us today to talk about thriving through career transitions. Hi, Meredith. Thanks for joining. Hi, JJ. Thanks so much for having me. This seems to be such a popular topic. I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten over the last few months of people saying, you know what? I'm getting out. I'm doing something new. I'm going for a board seat or I'm transitioning in my existing company. So I feel like this is just so timely because I hardly see conversations around the transition. Absolutely. And, you know, as we think about transitions, it's absolutely essential that leaders get off on the right foot. And that's so much of what we try to research and and hope to provide for your listeners. That's great. So let's just get right into that. When you say get off on the right foot, that's not something I really think about that often because when I'm going through a transition, usually I'm just trying to keep everything together. <laughs> and so when I start the job, it's almost like a relief that I'm finally in a new place. So when you say start off on the right foot, what are you thinking about when you share that? Well, the research actually shows that about 50% of executives coming in from the outside into organizations fail within the first six months. So I think that's pretty telling when it comes to the importance of getting off on the right foot. Now, internal promotions, the you know that failure rate is going to be significantly lower. However, you can imagine when you are promoted into a new position, people are pretty quickly sizing you up and you know your own ability to kind of you know be confident and clear about how you want to approach that leadership role really should happen in those first 90 days. So why why do people fail in the first six months? Because you feel like when people are going through transition, they're so eager to do a good job. They're nervous. You know, they want to really put their best foot forward. So where do you see in your research that they're failing? So, you know, our book is called Six Paths to Leadership. And the paths that I'm referencing there are the path into a leadership position, So we outline elected, appointed, promoted from within, hired from the outside, family, legacy, and founders. So those being the six paths. For your listeners, I'm going to focus on two of those paths, the promoted path and the external hire or the outsider path, as we call it. And, you know, the reasons for failure are going to be different depending on those two. And so for the outsider, there are a number of reasons, but certainly you hear this idea of fit, right? Cultural fit. Does this person coming in from another organization, once they transition, do they fit into the culture and into the organization? Mm. From the leader's perspective, oftentimes they 
are recruited to bring in a certain expertise or certain ideas, oftentimes as a change agent, right? But then when they get inside the organization, there's a lot more resistance to the changes and expertise that they might be bringing in. And that failure could be the organ rejection, but it also can be the dissatisfaction of the leader themselves, right? Where they think they're coming in for one purpose. And yet, while the people who made the recruitment decision may have wanted that change, that doesn't mean the organization itself is ready for it. Now, when we think about the promoted path, lots of different challenges there in terms of you know failure rates. One of the most common challenges for that promoted path is that you are often competing for that position against other people. And you know what happens when you are among a group of peers, you are the one who gets promoted. That group of former peers is often deciding whether or not it's worth staying. A key strategy we talk about for that promoted path is to very quickly figure out who on the team you really want to keep. Make sure you are having a very intentional strategy to retain those individuals and to show those individuals how you will be, instead of being a career blocker of them, you are going to be a huge promoter of them in their careers. Mm, Meredith, I guess, you know, I've done so many conversations for women in business and women in leadership, but I would suspect that most people are not thinking about this during the transition. You know, whether they're promoted, you know, thinking about firing people, letting people go, investing in the talent you want to keep. And then if you're brought in, you know, sometimes the hiring team is transparent and sometimes they're not. Yeah. But, you know, if you're there to do a a culture shift or a focus shift, I mean, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. How do you encourage the individual to really kind of embrace this, these expectations and honestly demands for these new roles? So, you know, the, There is a common strategy in the first 90 days called a listening tour, right, where you go around and speak to your different stakeholders to understand, you know, what are their expectations of you in the role and what do they need from you? And we really encourage that for all of the different paths into leadership positions It's probably done the least, though, in the promoted path, right? Because you kind of feel like, oh, I already, you know, my former boss did this job. I was watching him or her for the past few years. I already know the individuals. I have the networks. But, you know, we really encourage you to have that different type of conversation to understand where the bar is. As an executive coach, I coach a lot of executives on that transition and oftentimes i'm the person who is you know doing that listening tour for them by talking with their stakeholders their internal stakeholders about the expectations of them in that new role so i think that's really important that we check our assumptions regardless of path coming in by really getting the input from the people around us that are going to help support our success that's that's amazing and i love that a listening tour Because I can imagine as these executives either get promoted or they're brought in externally to the, you know, to to help shift, change, fill a role that they want to initially prove themselves, right? Because I think as individuals and that people feel the need to just be productive, hit the ground running. And what you're suggesting, a listening tour, almost 
is counterintuitive, I think, for people that want to produce. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we talk a lot about that feeling of being in the fishbowl and being watched, right? But again, you know, only by listening, asking questions, getting curious, checking your assumptions, do you even know the bar folks are evaluating you against, right? And especially for those individuals who are reporting up into you, they're going to be very focused on whether or not you are going to be good for their career, right? Mm -hmm. And rarely is it, oh, you know, she has this fabulous idea for how we're going to grow the business. I want to stay and work for her. It's going to be much more about, you know, how is this person going to grow and develop me? Am I going to learn from this individual? Are they going to be invested in my success? Are they going to give me credit for the work that I do? Are they going to advocate for me in career discussions? Are they going to give me interesting work? And are they going to know me as an individual, right? And so, so often you come off, you know, after that hiring process where you've just been sort of talking about yourself and your approach for so long and you think, okay, now I'm coming in and I need to repeat that for everybody else, um, you know, I would really encourage leaders in new positions to spend a lot more time listening and a lot less time talking. I just want to highlight that for the listener because I feel like, at least for many of the women in my network, is that we're constantly under a microscope and we're so, we, we're eager to prove that we belong in that position and that we have the ideas. And what you're saying is so critical is that you know, there's usually two kind of strands of conversations going on or two avenues, right? You have who you're reporting up to and all of their peers, which could be, you know, the CEO, the board, or even other vice presidents or associate vice presidents or even directors, but then you have everybody on your team. And so you have to straddle yourself in a way that you understand what's expected of you as the leader of, you know, a significant probably PL, but then you have all the people that are getting up and coming to work every day to make you and that particular department or group or project or product successful. Yeah, absolutely. And so while the direct reports are going to be focused more on, you know, your promotion or support of their careers, the peers are probably thinking about, you know, is this person going to be a good partner for me? Are they going to be a good collaborator? Do they recognize the intersections and the importance of being a good partner? You do a lot of work in the tech field, right? So, you know, the classic challenges between sort of the sales and marketing functions versus the technology and engineering functions, right? Product. Mm -hmm. If you're coming in as, you know, sales marketing lead, how well are you going to partner, share information, and collaborate with the folks on the other side, right? That's what they're going to be thinking about. And so, you know, asking those questions, understanding what's worked in the past, understanding, you know, creating those, those kind of patterns of communication very early on that are going to work for both you and your peers is going to be essential. Mm. I love this because I don't think it's, people don't talk enough about this, I don't think. And I think unless you hire an executive coach, or you have a great sponsor in the organization, sometimes you can really just jump in 
and be so busy to prove yourself when in reality, you have to get the buy-in, not only from your peers and above, but also the people that are making your team successful. So this is super great perspective when you're moving through a transition so that you can thrive, whether you're new to the organization or you're getting promoted from a position. So prior to this, we talked a little bit about three focus areas. And I think this, we talked about intention, focus, and presence. So are we talking about right now, are we talking about presence? Well, I actually think it's 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 all three. I think that one of the things you want to think about is how do you want people in your new role to feel about you, right? And that's a big part of that presence. You want them to feel trust. You want them to feel connection. You want them to feel confidence, right? So the intentionality around how you want to be experienced by your colleagues is really important, right? I think the focus piece comes in, in, you know, you can't come into a new role and want to do everything. You have to think about what your big rocks are, which is often the term used. And so you can't develop those big rocks on your own. You need to connect with your stakeholders to understand what your priorities should be um, in terms of the work that you're doing and then how your time is being spent as well. Um, And then, you know, when it comes to intention, um, again, thinking about, um, you know, intention around your relationships, intentions around the behaviors and the patterns that you're going to be setting up from day one, because assumptions about what kind of a colleague you're going to be and how you're going to be working are going to start right away. And are you going to show up in that first staff meeting with a clear agenda or is it going to be much more informal? These are things that you should be thinking about because you're starting to, again, create a brand for yourself and assumptions about you right away. Meredith, I think this is so helpful. And I think it's just important to remind professionals and especially women is that it's great to have a team around you to help you set you up for success. And I love, you know, that you're an executive coach and you've done the research to help people understand what it takes to be successful. And it's not always about driving deliverables. I think for many of us, as we evolve through the org chart, you know, it's a challenge to go from always producing to leading and creating strategy and a vision and inspiration to get the work done. And so I think investing in people that are going to help you make that transition in your career and also be successful, whether you're in the same company or you're moving to a new company. So I guess as you we're talking about this, you know, I do a lot of keynote speaking. I often ask women, how many of you have hired a coach or an executive coach? And it's usually less than 10%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a real investment, ideally, and certainly most of my work, the companies themselves are making those investments, especially around things like succession planning and transition into these more senior roles. But I really encourage when, you know, women will often contact me and say they're willing to pay out of their own pocket. And I will always say to them, you know, have you talked to your employer and see if they can't figure out a way for their employer to support it because it really, you know, ideally it really would be employer sponsored. That's a beautiful thing. And I think many of us think, well, I just need to get more money or 
I need more vacation days, but sponsoring an executive coach is an awesome ask, especially as people are getting ready to make those big leaps in their career, or maybe you're being incentivized to stay asking for an executive coach to help you pave your professional path, I think is an amazing investment and ask. Yeah. And JJ, I've had many clients, I've worked with them at one company and then they get a job offer at another company. So they'll co- you know, they'll come back to me and they'll say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm starting this new role. And we talk about how to negotiate executive coaching as part of the package for that new role. And a number of my clients have kind of brought me in with them into new roles as part of that negotiation. And that's fantastic. I, yeah. I just think women need as many resources as they can get because we do need more women at more tables. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the other things I was going to mention is, as we were talking before about the importance of the people around you that are going to help you to be successful. I think too often we associate leadership with title, right? So, oh, I'm a VP. I'm therefore a leader. One is only a leader when they have followers, right? And it's really important. And there's some great literature out there, great research on, you know, what followership actually means. But when we think about leadership, especially in today's world, um, you know, the whole idea of command and control leadership is really, you know, it's just an old idea at this point, right? And it's certainly not in the tech company world, which, you know, are newer and more, more modern cultures. Your leadership does not come from an authoritative approach to, to management. But instead, the people around you, what leadership really means is the people around you are making the choice every single day about whether or not to follow you. And I think one of the things you can always think about as you develop your own strategy around your transition is, you know, when I've had a new boss come in and I'm making the decision about whether or not to follow that person, to get on board with them, to help make them successful, how am I evaluating them, right? What am I looking for in them? And am I prioritizing those things as I think about leading, you know, my peers and my direct reports and helping them to make the choice of followership? So well said. So well said. And I think something that we can all keep in mind is that, you know, wherever you land as a professional is that, you know, taking the time to listen understanding who is expecting what for you, knowing the different dimensions of the org chart, or if you're an entrepreneur of your customers and your employees. I think these are all really, really great lessons to help us transition because oftentimes when people are transitioning, there's a lot of worry, fear, and ego involved, which often taints us on how we need to show up and what we need to do when. A hundred percent. The more that we can focus on asking the right questions as opposed to having all of the answers when we come into a new role is is really an essential ingredient for getting off on the right foot. Yeah, asking the right questions. Because I feel like women are already challenged in the workplace as it's such masculine energy that sometimes we have to check our knowing at the door. And we can sometimes be more self-conscious because we're essentially leaving half our toolkits untapped at the door. And so 
looking like we don't know or asking too many questions or listening too much makes us uneasy because we think people are looking at us to produce. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, this has been incredibly helpful. Thank you so much, Meredith, for giving us real tools and things to think about as we're transitioning into new positions, hopefully more leadership positions, and definitely more seats at more tables. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And as we're wrapping up here, can you share where people can find you? Because I do know a lot of women that are looking for executive coaches and often ask me, so where can they find you? Probably the best place is LinkedIn. So Meredith Persley, P-E-R-S-I-L-Y. And then my website is www.aspireatwork.com. That's wonderful. Well, we'll definitely put the links in the show notes. We appreciate you joining us and congratulations on your success. Thank you. Thank you. 